if you don't know who they are, introduce yourself. And then I'd like you to share what is your favorite part of the Christmas story? Now, when I say Christmas story, I mean the Jesus story, not the leg lamp and the shoot your eye out story. So when you think about the Christmas story, what's your favorite part? So just take a second, talk amongst yourselves. So one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story is actually a parenthetical statement. It's one of my favorite parts. See, if you're reading in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 and and you're reading that story about the birth of Jesus, Matthew is is sharing uh, from his perspective this story of the birth of Jesus and all the events surrounding it. And he gets to a particular place and he begins quoting from Isaiah the prophet. And so there's this moment in in Matthew 1 where he's actually quoting Isaiah 7.14, which says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so what Matthew is doing is is he is inviting his readers back into what Isaiah the prophet is talking about and the words of Isaiah the prophet about that moment in time. And yet, how could we even conceive the full meaning of the name Emmanuel? How is it possible that we who are coming to this almost as if from a distance could understand a name that is so pregnant with meaning? And so what, what Matthew does is he does something very good for us who, especially those who don't spend much time in the words of Isaiah the prophet. See, if you were familiar with the words of Isaiah the prophet, you would understand the nuance of what's happening in the word Emmanuel. You see, the Hebrew word for God is with us is the word Emmanuel. And one thing that Isaiah does is he uses that phrase, God is with us, and he uses the word Emmanuel interchangeably. Sometimes he'll just say in Isaiah, God is with us, and sometimes he'll just say Emmanuel. And so over and over in Isaiah's mind, in Isaiah's writing, he uses that word interchangeably. But what if we haven't spent much time reading through the words of Isaiah the prophet. That's why I very much like the parenthetical explanation given to us by Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23. 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And here it is, which means God with us. I want to invite us just for a brief moment this morning to try to begin to comprehend what this means, which means God with us. So what I want to do is I just want to ask you to consider it and and just reverse the words, God with us, which means. So what does it mean for us today? What does it mean for us sitting here right now? This whole concept, this idea, this truth hmm, that God is with us. What Matthew is doing is he is inviting us to consider the meaning and implication, what it does for our life right now, knowing that God is with us. Now, If you look at our yearly calendar, maybe you've noticed that Christmas comes at the end of the year. And how many times have you said, I cannot wait for Christmas to be over? I mean, everybody except Margaret, right? Christmas comes to the end of our calendar year, but you know, in the church calendar, Christmas is the start of the year. It's not the end of the year. And so, for centuries, the church calendar is inviting people to begin looking at the year in front of them from the lens of God is with us. And I think this is a really important thing for us to consider. Christmas, then, becomes an invitation to us to try to work out and to try to live out the reality, the meaning and implication of God is with us. After all, what do we celebrate? I mean, this time of year celebrates not just a God who created, though He did. This time of year celebrates not just a God who lavishes His goodness and grace upon us, from whom every perfect gift comes, though we do celebrate that, but As our good friend and brother Timothy Keller says, Christmas invites us into the greater mystery, the greater reality to actually live in the idea, to live as if we believe it's true that God, even at this moment, is with us. He says, the birth of the Son of God into the world is a gospel good news announcement. You don't save yourself. God has come to save you. I, I love this. It's, it's the beautiful part of the gospel message. It is also a spectacularly freeing part of the gospel message that you don't have to save yourself, that you can't save yourself, that God has broken into the world through Jesus Christ to give us what our heart desperately longs for, what our soul needs. The gospel, if you think about it, does something that not even the best Christmas Hallmark movie can give. And that kind of feels like an oxymoron saying best Christmas Hallmark movie. You know, all the Hallmark movies are the same, they just have different characters. 
The gospel speaks a far beautiful story, a far greater story. The gospel is inviting us into a greater mystery, into a greater surprise, into greater and deeper reconciliation, into greater and deeper peace, into deeper and greater and more meaningful joy. This is what the gospel story is inviting us into. So here's the bad news. The bad news is that um, you're trying to save yourself in some way, and you just can't. You can't. And no matter how much you hope Christmas will solve all your family problems and how much that present will solve your problems, it's too much freight for one day to bear. It is. The things that we live for are the things that enslave us, and it's only in Christ are we going to get our freedom and the identity that we're looking for, that we're craving that our souls desperately need. Well, if that's the bad news, well, here's the good news. The good news is that you can be saved through Christ and Christ alone. And this is the enduring message of God with us, that He has broken into the injustice of our world, that He has broken into the brokenness of our world, that He has broken into what is unfair, what is not right, that God has broken into that as a way to call us to Him to begin making all things right through Christ. Today we have proclaimed a God who is worthy of our praise, who is worthy of glory. We praise Him for His goodness. We praise Him for His majesty. We, we, we praise Him because He is Lord over all. We, we praise Him and give Him honor and worth for all kinds of things. But have you ever stopped to ask, why is He worthy of our praise? Now, oftentimes the default answer is, well, because He's God. And there is some truth to that, but let me give you something else to think about. Have you ever considered that God is worthy of our praise because He is the God who is with us? And see, one of, one of those implications of this idea, one of the, the most meaningful parts of this message is, how could our lives be filled with joy following and serving a God who exempted Himself from suffering and struggle? How, how could we give glory and praise and honor to a God who has left us alone in the trials and tribulations of this life? How could we stand here today and proclaim, for you alone are worthy, if God is so far, so distant, just created the world and then had nothing else to do with us? How could our hearts be filled with hope knowing that God has given Himself a pass? from the pain that we endure. God with us is inviting us to consider that we give God glory and honor because He suffers in our suffering. He doesn't just suffer in our suffering. He suffers with us, and He suffered for us. Again, Brother Keller says, a God who suffers pain, injustice, and death for us this is a God worthy of our worship. In a world of pain and oppression, how could we give our highest allegiance to someone who was immune to all that? This is a God who knows what storms are like because He came into the world and dove straight into the greatest 
pain, and suffering. Because of His self-substitution, we can have life. So, yes, we are part of a chaotic, sin-cursed story, but God has not abandoned us. God has not left us to clean up our own mess. God is working in the trenches of human misery for our ultimate good. It's what Joseph said to his brothers who treated him so unfairly, so poorly, so, so terribly. And, and his, his summation of all the bad that had happened to him was this phrase which completes our theme of God being with us, which shows that He is for us. Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So, if our hearts could just believe the words that the Apostle Paul speaks to us, we would find hope knowing that God is currently and actively working, even right now. Even right now now for our ultimate good. Because the God who is with us means He is the God who is for us. Listen, we're, we're just in a small part of the story right now. We're sandwiched between the cross of Christ and the return of Jesus. And so, in 2022, as a congregation, we're going to lean into this story of redemption. We want to discover not just the God who saves, but the God who restores and the God who renews. So, I need to tell you two things about us as a church. There are two things you need to know about East Sunshine. Here's the first. We haven't done everything right. We haven't. We haven't made all the right decisions. I mean, in our illustrious history as a church, we have not done everything right. We've made some wrong decisions. The church is a broken place. East Sunshine is a broken place, largely because it's a place filled with broken people. And since we're filled with broken people, we we are a broken place, a broken church. But the God who is with us is the God who inhabits brokenness. The God who inhabits broken people and broken places. Now, the second thing you need to know about East Sunshine is this. We're trying to make decisions so that spiritual formation for the sake of others is part of our DNA. And rather than drop a line from Kendrick Lamar at this point, I'll just give you some words from Invitation to a Journey by Brother Mulholland, who says, Spiritual formation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ, a journey into becoming persons of compassion, persons who forgive, persons who care deeply for others and the world, persons who offer themselves to God to become agents of divine grace in the lives of others and in their world. In brief, persons who love and serve as Jesus did. I mean, what could be better for our church? 
What could be better for our church than for a group of broken people to practice this kind of kindness and selflessness and generosity? What could be better for us as a church of broken people to be these agents of grace in the lives of others? What could be better for us as a church, as a people who are broken, to practice forgiveness, to practice compassion, to care deeply for each other? My prayer is that we will lean in so far to these ideals that we will fall for each other, and that we will fall for the God who is here, the God who is with us. Because after all, our desire is to become gospel-shaped people who, in response to the grace that we have received from Christ, follow His example of love and service to others. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the mercy and the kindness that You have lavished on us through Jesus Christ. Jesus, we're grateful for the work that You have accomplished on our behalf to redeem us and make us righteous. Spirit, we are so grateful for the way You lead us into gardens of life that produce nourishing fruit. As we endeavor to become gospel-shaped people, we ask You, Spirit, to cultivate within us a heart for others. May these not just be ideals. May these not just be words. May these be the expression of the hearts of broken people. May we continue to challenge each other this year in the process of spiritual formation for the sake of others, so that we can become people of compassion, people who forgive, people who care deeply for others and for the world, people who offer ourselves to the God who is here with us, so that we might become agents of divine grace. Yes, Lord that we might become agents of divine grace in the, love, the lives of others and in the world. We pray through Jesus who is with us always, even through the end of this age. Amen.